Amen. Take your copy of God's Word this morning, and I invite you to open to the very first book of your Bible, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, as we look this morning at verses 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. What a book, the book of Genesis. It's all about beginning. It's all about beginnings. It's about the creation of God's world. God looking at this, at what he was going to do and creating the heavens and the earth. And not only creating the heavens and the earth, but creating man himself. God beginning a new work. God beginning new life. And you know, as you read through Genesis, you'll not only see the beginning of of life and of creation itself, but you'll see those initial struggles that we as humans had. You'll see how we took that which was good and we messed it up. We have a way of doing that, don't we? Taking that which was good and marring it in sin. And then you see God progressively working. You see God dealing with that sin. And when that sin had reached such a height and such such a depravity, he dealt with it through the flood, through Noah. In a sense, it brought a new beginning. But again, humanity turned to its sin. And what God continued to do was to work progressively and providentially to provide for his people salvation. In Genesis chapter 12, one of the most seminal passages of the Old Testament, especially for the people of Israel and consequently for us today, you see God beginning once again. This time God speaking to an individual, speaking to a nation and bringing it to use it for his honor and for his glory. I want you to see in chapter 12, verse 1, the call, God's call upon Abram. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I want you to hear for a moment God's call upon Abram. Because here, God speaks for the first time, at least recorded for us in the scripture, the first time since the Tower of Babel. Remember at the Tower of Babel, the people had gathered together and God had told them to do what? to spread out and to make sure that they were multiplying in different areas and they were taking care of things. And what did the people do? The people said, no, what we're going to do is stick together. Now, obviously, they weren't Baptists, right? They said, we're going to stick together and we're going to stay here and we're going to build We're going to build this impressive structure that will reach heaven itself. And what we will do is make a name for ourselves. And God dealt with them and he actually spread them out. He actually led them to the different nations that they would become. And now God speaks for the first time recorded in scripture. He speaks speaks about a specific nation to a specific person to somehow further his salvation and further the call of God in their lives. And he says to Abram, he says, To you, Abram, 
I want you to get out. I want you to leave everything that you've known. I want you to leave everything that you've been a part of. I want you to leave it. That is the call of God upon his life. Now, I do not believe this was the first time God had spoken to Abram. I do not believe it was the first time that God had even issued such a command to him. Why do you say that? Well, I'm going to tell you, I've studied this passage many times over the years, and I've looked at it, and I've preached it, and can I be honest with you, I still learn things every now and then. It's okay to say that. I know sometimes we preachers seem like we have to have it all figured out biblically and all that kind of stuff, but you know, the more I've studied, the more I look, the more I realize I don't know certain things. I just admitted my ignorance before you, didn't I? Not always a good thing. But here, as I've studied this passage, and as I've read Stephen's speech, for example, over in Acts chapter 7, remember Stephen as he was, as he was uh, facing death itself and as he was inspired by God speaking? He talked about the call of Abram. And he talked about how it initially had come in Ur of Chaldees. Now here, in chapter 12, you will actually find out that Abram is in Haran. And in chapter 11, we were told about this family and how they had initiated from Ur of Chaldees. And Abram's father, Terah, had, had led them to Haran on their way where? To Canaan. They were on their way to Canaan. And they were on their way to, to do what they should have done. I, I really believe that God, as Stephen had said, had spoke to him earlier in Ur of Chaldees, and somehow they had made it to Haran, and they had just stopped for whatever reason. Maybe it was Terah, maybe it was his dad and his influence upon him, but they simply settled for Haran. And now God's speaking again, and he's calling Abram. And he says, Abram, I want you to get away from everything that you have known, everything that you've been a part of, and I want you to leave. This was a divine call, no doubt. God's revelation to Abram, God speaking to Abram. Abram knew that, and he knew that God did not stutter. He knew that God wanted him to leave. And it was to be a separation, a break. Now think of how difficult this was going to be. Think of how difficult this would be for Abram, God's call, to leave everything that you've known. Uh, and, and let's throw this into the equation. How old is Abram? Some of you have already been reading along because you haven't been listening to me, right? So you know how old he is. He's 75. Okay, so... I want you to put this in the equation and try to understand. He is 75 years old. Now, I know some of you look at me and say, oh, but 75 back then, that's like, uh, you know, that's like the 25 of today. 75 is 75. 75 years. I would say, would you agree with me that he's kind of settled in a little bit? Now, I know he's a nomad, and I know that they're going from Ur to Haran. And I know all that. I'm not talking about geographically, but I'm talking about in relationships, 
in the family and in how he perceives his uh, occupation and what he's called to do, would you say that he settled in? Let me ask you this. I see about two people over 75 here this morning. And I'm not going to single you out, Dwight. I'm not going to single you out. But at 75, usually you've got things pretty much settled in, right? I mean, for you. I mean, for, for you to think that all of a sudden God would say to you, I want you to get away from everything that you've always known. And I want you to do something different. Think of this. God saying to you, I want you to leave your comfort zone. And I want you to do something new and fresh. Now, we understand from the, from the great design of this that God is about to do something. I mean, when we step back and we look at the whole of God's purpose and plan here, we know that God is going to use him to provide salvation for all of the world. We know that. But at this point, all Abram knows is that God has spoken And God has said, I've got to leave everything that I know. And I'm going to go to a land that will be shown to me. I am to leave my my family. I am to leave those comfort zones that I have. And I am to go to a land that he will show me. Now get this. God's asking him to move out of his comfort zone. God is asking him to separate himself from previous relationships. And yet God has said, said basically, I'll tell you what you need to know on a need-to-know basis. Not going to draw it all out for you. Not going to provide for you everything you need. I'm not going to give you a map. I'm just going to show you the land. Think of that for a moment. I mean, it's one thing for God to ask us to do something, right? For God to look at us and say, I want you to do this. It's another thing for God to say, I want you to do this, but I'm going to tell you what this is later on. But that's exactly what God does. When he begins here, when he is starting now to work through a a nation, one nation itself that he is going to use to, to demonstrate salvation, to demonstrate his good news, he comes to Abram and he just simply says, you've got to leave. It is a call upon his life. A call that is divine, a call that is decisive. That he is to separate himself. Now, I also believe not only was he to separate himself from the good stuff, but as I've studied this more over the years, I've become convinced that he's supposed to leave especially the ungodly things of life. Now, you look and say, the father's house, and you say, family. Family's a bad thing. Which way you say, answer that, huh? Family's not a bad thing. What are you talking about? When you look and you study where the Ur of Chaldees was and 
where Haran was located. And, and you look today especially and, and understand that those were two major worship sites. Worship sites. Not of Yahweh God, but of this moon God that people turn to. I am convinced that after understanding that and seeing that, that God was in a sense saying, and by the way, get away from that old faith or that old religion that so many of your families have worshipped. You get away from that and you follow me. You see, God's call upon our lives often entail a call away from something, a call unto something, right? When God calls us and he speaks to us, let, let's say for salvation itself, because in this place today we should believe that God will call in salvation. And when he calls in salvation, he calls us away from something and to something. Would you agree with me on that? Think for a moment. When we use the word repent, when we talk about repenting of our sins, what do we mean? We mean that we turn from our sins and we turn to God. In other words, it is a call away from our sins and it is a call to God. It is a separating call now today what we've done in so many of our churches is basically leave repentance out we've tried to preach a gospel without repentance and may i say to you this morning there is no gospel without repentance you have to leave something and you have to turn to something in your lives in your salvation you are to forsake the sin. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying to you that we are perfect once we come to Christ. We recognize our imperfections every day. But what I'm saying to you is that there should be a turn from that desire, a turn from that sin where you want to place your faith and your trust. You want to be led by God. You want to turn a separation Today what we're preaching is, is that you can come to God and everything's fine. You don't have to change anything in your lives. Uh, every, everything will be okay. God will just excuse you and, and it's fine. My message to you is God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to make a difference. He's not content on us staying where we are. What he wants to do is to grow us and to work within us. And he wants us to forsake those things that are not good and turn to him. And too many of us live with one hand and one foot in the world, one hand, one foot in his desires, in God's desires. And he's called us to make a full turn. Abram. He says, I want you to leave. I want you to leave the good things. I want you to leave the comfort zone. I want you to leave, I want you to leave the bad things. Maybe, you're, maybe your family has worshipped this moon god for all these years. You are to turn from that. And you are to come to a place that I'm going to show you. Well, we do know in verse 4, 
that Abram responded obediently. It says, so Abram departed. Now the word in verse 4 for depart is the same word that you find in verse 1 of get out. I know it doesn't translate it the same in the English, but it's the same. In other words, he said, I want you to go, to leave, to walk. And in verse 4, it says that he obeyed. He obeyed specifically and consistently with what God had said. He departed. Now, you've heard me mention this before in verse 4, but I've always marveled over those three words. So Abram departed. I mean, even though the call might have come, and I believe, I really do believe they settled for Haran, or at least Abram's dad had settled for Haran instead of Canaan for some time. The picture that is painted for us here is complete and decisive obedience of Abram. So Abram departed. Three words. I long for that type of obedience in my life. I mean that that it could be that simple. See, I'm not that simple sometimes. Are you? I'm talking about when God calls me to do something, I've got to I've got to talk to him about it a little more. You know what our favorite fa- phrase is? Let me pray about it. It's one of the best spiritual excuses you can find, right? Now, I'm not against prayer. Some of you just, I saw a look of consternation come across your face and not against prayer. But friends, there are days when we know what we have to do and what we should do. We know. We, we shouldn't have to just stop and pray about it. We know God has called us to do this. Sometimes we're using those outs. And, and again, when we talk about praying to see, what we do is go back to God and say, God, um, this is why I don't think I can do this. Now you tell me what you think. But God, please think the way I think. That's usually the way we pray. Trying to work it out. I, Folks who serve on nominating committees. Bless their hearts. I've been there with them. I've talked with them. They'll say, I'm going to go talk to this person about teaching a class or I'm going to go and talk to this individual about doing this. And most of the time, and again, I understand to a point, people always say, well, let me pray about it. Let me pray. Let me pray to see if I'm supposed to be teaching that class. And what they're going home to do is try to find the excuse that will sound the most spiritual to get out of it. Not everybody, but some of you, you know it's guilt. Some of you know. I have said to myself, I I, I have prayed, God, allow your spirit to go before us. And allow your spirit to be working in that individual before we even get to the point of asking them this question. And confirm within them your call Put in them a longing to teach. Put in them a longing to do this service so that when we go to them, one day it's going to happen. We're going to go and we're going to say, we believe that you're called to do this. And that individual is going to say, you know what? God has called me to do this. 
I've been waiting on the opportunity. I've been knowing that God was wanting me to do exactly this. Because look, God's spirit should be evident to all of us in the processes. And here, he responds in faith. Hebrews 11 tells us it's by faith that he responds in such a way. Well, absolutely. That's the only way you could respond to such a call, right? Faith. You don't know where you're going. You don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you have to simply respond in faith and take the first step toward him. Oswald Chambers rightly said that that faith does not know where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading it. Faith. Trust. It was a decisive call and a decisive response. It was God's call, and really, as you flesh out verses 2 and 3, which I know would be hard for me to really work through in the next five minutes, let me just simply say, as you read through that, I hope that you hear God's care for Abram. He says, I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To sum it up, what does God say? God says, I'm going to take care of you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to work through you. And while those at Babel who tried to tried to exalt themselves in pride and and make a name for themselves, I'm going to take you and your humility and I'm going to make a name for you among the nations. I'm going to take care of you. I'll bless you. I'll work in you. This great promise. Isn't that awesome? To know that when God calls you to something, God's going to take care of you. If God calls you to do something, listen to me. If God calls you to do something, I promise you, God is going to provide every resource you need to accomplish that task. And he's going to show his loving care for you. How many of us this morning could stand and testify over and over of how, yes, God called us to move to this place, or God called us to a new job, or God called us to a new church, and how God simply took care of you in every step. Now, it wasn't always the way you thought he would. It wasn't always in the way you expected. But God showed his care. And here, God's care is demonstrated through the promise. God working providentially, And sincerely, on behalf of his people, he says, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, as we'll see, because you understand this is the first sermon of a series. Did you catch that? So sometime July, August, I'm going to talk to you. I'm serious. It's going to be a long one. I'll probably talk to you about how this idea of a great nation and having children... It will mean so much. Because Abram and Sarah, they don't even have family at this point. And God says, 
I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to work in you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to show my grace in your life. And you see the word bless occur over and over. You see that? The word bless occur over and over in that promise. And then God confirms. You see God's call to get out, to go. You see his care and you see his confirmation. So it says in verse 5, Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called the name of the Lord on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. A lot of times we just stop in chapter in verse 4. But I want you to notice that when Abram gets out and he starts walking and starts going in the right direction, God comes and he brings confirmation to him. Now listen, confirmation is not necessary for obedience. But it's a pleasant reality of obedience. I'm not saying to you you ought to you ought to stop in your obedience and wait for confirmation. I'm saying to you that when confirmation comes, you ought to praise the Lord for his work in your life. Because he didn't have to do this, but he does. God simply appears to him again. You know, here's the call. Abram's going. You ever been there before where you knew what you thought God had told you and you were walking and you were walking? And then God shows up in his own way, in his own sovereign way, and he just simply says, hey, you're going, you're going the right way. You remember what I told you a while back? I'm going to continue to work in your life. It's confirmation. Man, those are good moments. When God just stops and says, I want to confirm to you my will and my purpose. Just want to remind you. It says that Abram builds an altar. And you'll see of the patriarchs, they are altar-building people. They find a spot where they have experienced the presence of God and they simply put an altar there of worship. Confirmation. God confirms in so many ways. Henry Blackaby, he used to talk about spiritual markers that we have in life. You know, as we go along and those spiritual markers are there just to kind of show us that we're staying in the channel. We're going in the right direction. Those spiritual markers. Well, I could share with you all kinds of moments where God has confirmed in my life, and you could share those moments as well. But I remember back, 20 years old, I'd been leading music at Blue Springs Baptist Church. Now, you understand the reason I led music at Blue Springs is not because I was good. Some people will say, hey, you ought to sing. Cause, no, the reason I led there is because I couldn't find anybody else and because I have a loud voice. And I could carry the congregation sometimes. So they liked for me to lead. So I was leading. Now, I had started there when I was like 14. All right? My mom drove me 
I couldn't even have, I didn't even have a driver's license, which was embarrassing. In about 30 days, just as I turned 15, though, I qualified for one of these permits and one of these things that I could drive myself. And do you know how I thought I was awesome when I could drive myself to church to lead music? I felt like I was truly a music minister at that point, you know? And I went over there, and I had been there. And I'm, I'm talking about it was consumed, music and youth, and my high school years for six years. I mean, I had given my life there, and, and uh, I mean, I thought that was all there was. And I remember when I went to Blue Mountain College, a little Southern Baptist school up in North Mississippi, place where God resides part of the, his time, you know. And at Blue Mountain College... For all of us men coming into the, to be enrolled, we had to meet with certain individuals. They didn't just let any guy in. You think they do now, probably after seeing me, but, but we had to interview. And I sat down with President Fisher, president of the college. He looked at me and he said, Reggie, he said, if I let you in, you got to promise me two things. I said, what's that, President Fisher? One, you got to go to seminary if you come here. Seminary, Ooh, okay, I think I can do that. Although I've heard it's more of a cemetery than it is a seminary, but I'll try that. And he said, number two, you got to promise me you'll go where God calls you. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you know, God may call you to be at Blue Springs the rest of your life. And if he is, he does, you give him thanks. But if he calls you to do something else, you be obedient. Because if you're not obedient, guess what? There should be another person at Blue Springs that you're keeping out of that position. And you should be at another place, another church, and you're not allowing God to use you in that other church where you're supposed to be. And I said, whoa, I never thought of this before. So at the age of 20, after I'd been at Blue Mountain, for some time I felt that God was moving my heart. I didn't know what in the world was happening. Didn't want to leave Blue Springs. I went to my director of missions there in Union County. Saw Brother Marvin. I said, Brother Marvin, this is where I am. And man, I just don't know what in the world is going on with me. And he looked at me and he said, Reggie, he said, didn't God call you to preach and to pastor? And I said, well, yes, sir, I know that. You were there when I surrendered and when we had that moment. He said, I know. Don't you think it's time? But I'm 20 years old. How in the world can I go pastor somewhere? Don't you think it's time? And I remember sitting across from him, and, and I just broke down in tears because I knew God was calling me to leave. Friends, people I loved. And yet, at the same time, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do because God had just confirmed it. I pretty much knew anyway, but God had used this man to confirm it in my life. I am sure proud that God chose Abram and his sovereignty chose him to bring a blessing to all the world. I am thankful that Abram responded in faith so Abram departed. I am thankful that God confirmed it, that promise again and again. Because today, through this one nation, blessing has come. 
Well, today, some of you sit here and you say, well, I understand how I can apply that to my practical and personal life. I hope you do because I think God calls every one of us to specific purposes and plans. Maybe today. But my friends, as we study through this, let me say to you that you and I will never know the cosmic purpose that God has and the cosmic results he could bring from an obedient life, from our obedient lives. Well, I'm not saying you'll be another Abram. This was a unique call, unique purpose. But I am saying to you, God takes people who respond in faith and he uses them for his honor and for his glory. Would you commit yourself today in whatever it is? Some of you know exactly what God's calling. Would you commit yourself today to his call? And would you allow God to use you for his kingdom's purposes? Let's pray. Father, we bless your name this morning. We praise you. We thank you. And we pray now you would just lead us in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand this morning as we have this hymn of invitation?